0: I'm William Law, editor of the Arab Digest. Today, a different format for the podcast. I've asked the British Arab writer, Leila Maghribi to voice a powerful article she's written for the AD Newsletter. It's titled, As a British Arab, Am I Safe in the UK Now? Leila is the host of Third Culture Therapy, a podcast that explores mental well-being from a cultural perspective. And she's writing her first non-fiction book. She was formerly a journalist with Reuters, CNN, and the National News. Here is, as a British Arab, am I safe in the UK now? Demonizing
1: language used against all Palestinians in the media and the UK government's unwavering support for Israel's military actions in Gaza have left me feeling viscerally unsafe. Like too many of us in the world, I've witnessed a lot of horror coming out of Gaza over the years. Those of us who care about humanity, who abhor violence, who feel for the Palestinian cause, are always saddened by the news of the sorrowful living conditions of an enclave that has been blockaded for 17 years. But like most people who haven't had the misfortune of growing up within that conflict and occupation, I never felt personally afraid. Mine was a deep empathy and concern for a people with whom I share a common heritage and many values. But last week, my inner sanctum was pierced, and I felt afraid for the very first time in Britain, the country where I was born and raised. Since that first shudder of fear, that unsettling lack of safety has only increased with the increasingly tragic and disturbing events that have followed. Of course, I understand that neither Hamas rockets nor the Israeli military, with its white phosphorus and smart bombs, will be targeting me here in London. But the violent energy of the discourse being spread by my government will. When my elected leaders, the people to whom I give my taxes, displayed the Israeli flag on its buildings, including 10 Downing Street and Queen Elizabeth House in Edinburgh, after the Israeli army publicly declared its plans to cut off water, food and electricity to 2.2 million civilians the Israeli defense minister had called human animals. Every cell in my body was seized with the sickening realization that my government condones the genocide of people like me. While it is comforting to know that a snap poll by YouGov showed that more than half of Brits oppose flying the Israeli flag on government buildings and the Scottish Parliament declined to fly the Israeli flag at Holyrood, I still feel afraid. As a British citizen, am I genuinely safe and protected now? Because isn't the British leader saying Arab civilians are a more disposable kind of human, ones you don't feel any affection towards or obligation to protect? Following the Hamas attacks on the 7th of October, Israel's defense minister Yoav Galant said, and I quote, I have ordered a complete siege on the Gaza Strip. There will be no electricity, no food, no fuel. Everything is closed. We are fighting human animals and we are acting accordingly. Those words are what the UK government unequivocally stands with as it carries high the white and blue colours of the Israeli flag on our government buildings. Meanwhile, the Palestinian flag is being threatened into hiding by the Home Secretary, Suela Braverman, another person who is ostensibly meant to protect me as a British citizen, but who is instead calling the Palestinian flag an internationally recognised representation of my ancestry a threat. It is the blanket designation of all Palestinians as dangerous menaces that threatens me personally. If it was really about Hamas and blocking publicly expressed support for them, then ban the waving of the Hamas flag. Yes, that's right, there is a Hamas flag. So why are they going after the Palestine flag? Israel's work to collectively erase and demonize all Palestinians is being done here in the UK. Our chants are also under attack and distortion. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, refers to the geographical location of historic Palestine from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, two bodies of water that the current occupied territories sit between. The effort to twist that call for freedom, justice and dignity into something insidious and violent says much more about the sadism of Suela Bravarin and her like than of me and my people. As of writing, the Israeli defense forces have dropped the equivalent of half a nuclear bomb on Gaza, killed more than 4,000 people, one-third of them children. They've used white phosphorus, they've bombed hospitals, ambulances, schools, and the Rafah border crossing. And yet, exhibiting the Israeli flag is not only unimpeded, but celebrated even though the mere sight of it makes me instantly feel that it is my skin burning from the white phosphorus that Israel has dropped on Gaza. Of course, despite the attempted clampdown on Palestine marches, and protests in general following the introduction in June of new regulations by the UK Parliament, we are still marginally better off here than in France and Germany, where the pushback against public support for Palestine has been insane to witness. Outright bans and heavy-handed tactics by police in full riot gear against people who are chanting for universal human rights and pleading for an end to genocide are uncovering worryingly fascistic elements within these governments. And I am scared. I look at the attacks against my fellow peace seekers, my brothers and sisters in Paris and Berlin and beyond, and I worry for the repression and hate-stirring against Arabs and Palestinians that threatens to cross to our shores. Indeed, in the U.S., a most horrific murder of a six-year-old child by his landlord was a direct result of the relentless reporting of unsubstantiated and often incorrect sensationalized gruesomeness attributed to Hamas and Palestinians at large. Why do I think it was a direct result? Because Wadi al-Fayyum, that little Palestinian-American boy, had previously warm relations with his landlord. In fact, The little boy ran into the arms of Joseph Zuba when he saw him enter his apartment, only to be met with 26 stabs of a knife. The mental and emotional well-being of Arabs and Palestinians in the UK, particularly those with family and friends in Gaza, are perilous. Besides the UK government's overwhelming support for Israel, the private sector has also jumped on the unwavering bandwagon, sending out emails to staff and public statements in defense of Israel. Some Palestinian employees I've spoken to at these institutions feel viscerally shaken by their company's willingness to sanction genocide. They don't feel safe at work. Some have taken time off or avoided the office. Not only is their ancestral trauma, the memories of parents and grandparents being killed or expelled from historic Palestine being triggered, but the necessary presence of safety, love, affection and compassion is completely absent. It is a truly frightening world to inhabit, and we are all leaning on each other to provide as much support as possible. When I was thinking about my last words to end this piece, I received the news of the attack on the Al-Ahli hospital in Gaza City. It was full of injured and displaced Palestinians. At least 500 people were killed and more than 1,000 wounded my heart started racing rapidly and I began to hyperventilate with what I realized was a panic attack. The scale of this horrific incident was too much for my mind and body to absorb. My friend stayed on the phone with me in silence as I kept my head between my legs and tried to regulate my breathing. This was an attack on the very heart of humanity for me and millions of others.
0: I wish the world could see that. You've been listening to the Arab Digest podcast with the British-Arab journalist Leila Maghribi. Leila voiced her Arab Digest article, As a British Arab, Am I Safe in the UK Now? for us. The article is available on our website, arabdigest.org. When you go to the website, you can also find out about our reader-supported daily newsletter and how to get a free two-month trial. The newsletter features the very best of MENA analysts, commentators, and writers. Contributors like Leila. Check us out on ArabDigest.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And search our library of nearly 200 podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, or Amazon. I'm William Law, editor of the Arab Digest. Essential reading, essential listening, from independent sources.